This coverage of Legal Week brought to you by Legal Talk Network, with many great podcasts to make your next commute or workout informative and educational. To improve your practice and stay in the know, visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And now, on to the show. This is Ralph Baxter, and I'll be your host for this episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. We're at Legal Week 2020 in New York City today, and we are joined by Zach Warren, editor-in-chief of Legal Tech News, who has played a big role in Legal Week uh, here, which is uh, coming to an end. Um, and so, Zach, let's just start by sharing with our audience uh, what, what is Legal Week? What's it about? Yeah. What happens here? Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here as always. But pretty much what this show is, is especially for the start of the year, it's a table setter for me as much as anything else. We're here first week of February and it's a, everybody within not only legal technology, but a lot of the decision makers for law firms, be it managing partners, CMOs, CFOs, and your normal CIO technology crowd all comes together in one place to learn from one another. For me, that's the main value of this is it's a networking opportunity. I'm out in Minnesota. I don't get to see people too terribly often. I have to come to New York for this sort of thing. And I think there's a lot of people. It's the same sort of thing. You don't get to see people unless you're at a show like this. It's really true. And I think there there is... I doubt there's any show quite like this uh, in the United States, maybe in the world, where there are so many people. I think we had over 8,500 people here this year in total. Yeah, sounds about right. And, and, there, and as you say, it isn't just technology people. I think there was a time when Legal Week, well, it had a different name for one thing, but was more about just the technology. And now it's about the intersection of law and technology and a lot more emphasis without losing any emphasis on technology, a lot of more emphasis on law. Yeah, well, I think that's the legal profession as a whole, quite honestly. If you are a managing partner today, you can't just pass things on to the CIO or to the tech team, to IT. You need to know, is my data secure? Clients are asking that in RFPs and other sorts of uh, outreach. You need to know what new technologies am I using to differentiate my firm or even increasingly corporate legal department from others? How am I using this to attract talent? There are so many different ways that technology is integrating itself into the modern legal practice that to me, yes, I'm kind of in a legal tech bubble, but it only makes sense to bring everybody together and exchange these ideas. Absolutely. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. And, and the way I think of it is that legal technology is one of the disciplines, one of, one of the sets of resources that legal service d delivery people, lawyers and others, are drawing on to make legal service better, to do it better, not just to do it faster, not just to do it cheaper, but it does, but to do it better. And, and you, as you said, it also enhances careers. It makes the, the quality of the experience of the person doing the work greater because the technology does the most routine things and they get to do the parts that inspired them to get into law to begin with. Yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, we're going to get into what I was doing around Legal Week here shortly, but one of the panels I moderated yesterday was about automation and IP. And there was the head of patents at Google who came over and said, you know, essentially, without automation, we can't get people, period. 
because patent law is so technical, if you just have new patent attorneys doing rote tasks and mindless form filling, uh, you're not going to get the people that otherwise could be engineers could go into other professions. There has to be some sort of technology basis and automation to all of this to be able for us to recruit anybody. And I think increasingly that's going to go outside of patent law into other areas of law as well as these new attorneys come up and expect their daily work lives to be as seamless as their outside of work lives. There's no question. And, and the research shows that. The anecdotal information shows that. It is ever more difficult to attract people to law to begin with. Fewer people applying to law school, a different set of people applying to law school, and then harder to attract and retain people in, especially traditional legal service. The, the new generation, those, those young people are digital natives. And they come expecting that the experience and the way things are done in the world of work will be in keeping with, the, with their experiences before that. Let's go back up to the, to the general for a second. Would you describe for our listeners, what are the elements of Legal Week? Absolutely. So kind of as you alluded to earlier, it used to be called Legal Tech, and that was for about 30 years or so. It was primarily a technology conference. About four years or so now, they expand into multiple conferences, all within the Hilton Midtown here in New York, all in the same week. Over the years, that kind of shuffled a little bit, and it's currently at three concurrent conferences, which are the Legal Tech Conference, which a lot of people know from way back when. It is the Legal Business Strategies Conference, which you are intimately involved in. And it is the Legal CIO Conference, which actually has elements of both, where it's very tech-savvy, but business leaders and how exactly you marry the two. Right. And then, and then you have legal technology exhibitors yes. here as well. And oh, very robust exhibit hall. And I'm, I'm sure you've gotten to walk through. I honestly haven't as much as I plan to just because things get busy when you're on the ground here. But there's essentially three floors of legal technology vendors, all with everything ranging from e-discovery to transactions to document management, all sorts of blockchain and AI initiatives, pretty much everything you could think of that even remotely touches legal. And as you were saying before we started the podcast, you have observed over the years the uh, nature of the solutions that, that the exhibitors offer to be diversifying, more robust, richer, and so on. 100%. I mean, it, especially within the legal technology community, I think that there was a perception five, six years ago that this was essentially an e-discovery conference. And you kind of saw that walking through the exhibit hall. A lot of the vendors were somewhere along the EDRM litigation scale. You had mostly discovery, some information governance, some data governance, but that's pretty much where it stopped. These days, I mean, we were talking beforehand just how much that there are contract solutions out there, both pre- and post-execution, not only drafting documents, but making sure clauses in those contracts are executed on the back end. There's different document management tools that are looking to draw in data from all over the place, data analysis tools that are looking to take from all of these different sources and apply to the business in different ways. So it really does touch on not only the litigator piece of things, but also how it not only law firms, but corporate legal departments are looking to take everything that they're doing with tech and turn it into ROI. Right. And, and, so, and there are so many exhibitors here, and I have walked through uh, the exhibitor space. There are so many here that one could come here and, and, and meet and get, uh, get a feel for a lot of different people in a lot of different settings. 
Let's talk now a little bit more specifically about um, different parts of the program. As you said, uh, I co-chaired the legal business strategy sessions with uh, Gina Passarella, which was a great pleasure for me uh, to do both because Gina is great to work with and, and because uh, the program has been quite successful. And I'll share some thoughts about that. But let's start with the, the other uh, sections, the legal tech and, and the CIO tracks. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on the editorial side of ALM. I'm not the events team myself, but I do like to help out, especially in terms of programming, what people would be interested in. And there were a bunch of honestly new areas this year, kind of like the IP track, which wasn't something that really was heavily focused here at Legal Tech before. So it, I, actually, I should go 30,000 foot view with the structure of it too. So it's three days, Tuesday through Thursday, with some workshops on Monday that are focused on special topics like artificial intelligence, blockchain, et cetera. But the core of the program, it is uh, six tracks of three panels each, or three sessions each, I should say, because they're not all panels, on uh, Tuesday, five on five of three on Wednesday and uh, three of two on Thursday for the legal tech show and then legal CIO. It's a series of workshops, Q and A's and kind of both panels and Ted style talks as well. Um, so it's a lot that they're trying to jam in there. I mean, kind of going back to the exhibit hall point too, you'll get your fair share of e-discovery and litigation, but you'll also get a lot of privacy. How exactly, I mean, we're right after the CCPA, how GDPR and CCPA is applying to your practice. It's a lot of cybersecurity, making sure that you're holding your data. Uh, there's a lot of it, if not most of it, is CLE eligible. So you're getting the depth that you're looking for as well. Um, so there's a lot to it, a lot more that I'm not a practitioner myself. It gets to be a little head spinning at times. Well, but, but clearly a lot of planning has gone into the, the program this year in each of these tracks. And the real work was done, and I'm sure you were part of it, to think about what are the topics that, that, that lend themselves to exposition, discussion in this kind of a setting, who are the people who would be best to, to be on the panel and talk about the subject, and so on. In the um, legal business strategy, we had three tracks as well. We had one that was focused predominantly on marketing and business development, one predominantly on talent, human resources and one predominantly on the fundamental strategy of, of delivering legal service. And, and, and as, I'm a broken record on this, but with a focus on doing it ever better and, and responding to the ever-changing demands, interests, needs of the marketplace. And, and those sessions were just terrific. The, the, the leaders, um, the, the, the panelists in each case, uh, took their, their roles very seriously, prepared. In fact, they were, they were, uh, the, the panelists were generally demanding that they wanted the sessions to be well organized and, and, and prepared, and then they, uh, they delivered great value to the audience. We did one a couple yesterday that were real highlights that, that I think illustrate how the, how the program went, and there were a lot of highlights. In fact, let me share one, I'll share a few. One, uh, we had a panel on change management, and, and everyone in legal, uh, in, in, in the delivery of legal service, is engaged in change management because we're at an early stage of profound change in the way legal service is delivered. So how do you get all of these very accomplished people, and, and it's not just the lawyers, all these accomplished people across the board in your firms to change and adopt these new methods, new tools, and so on? So we, we brought together a diverse set of panelists 
for different perspectives on it, and then we engaged the audience. And our goal was to have a conversation, and we did. We had a really robust conversation. The audience was full of people who had their own ideas. They shared them, their, their experiences, but also their questions and their challenges. It went great. At the end of the day, we had a uh, session in which we brought all three tracks together. And we posed to everyone, so how do we do this? How do we modernize the way legal service is delivered? What are the impediments? How do we overcome them? And in that group, we had people from, from all of these disciplines within legal service. And it was so encouraging. It was great. In fact, that, that group was, was led in part by Bruce McEwen and Janet Stanton from Adam Smith, which was a real bonus to the program. And then we had Regina and, and I were helping to lead it as well. But you couldn't help but notice how far the leaders had come in their understanding of where law needs to go and what's holding us back and what, what we need to do to overcome the impediments. It was very, very encouraging. Well, that's all it is, right? It's a conversation. And you mentioned the diverse set of participants. That was one thing, especially in the panels that I moderated, that really stuck out to me. The very first one that I did was about demonstrating agility in the face of constant change. And that was part of the legal CIO. And on that, it was uh, a knowledge manager from a firm, two CIOs from a firm, but also legal ops from Microsoft as well, because other people need to be involved in that conversation. Even if you are a law firm CIO talking about change, well, who is that change ultimately going to benefit? It's going to benefit the client. The client needs to be part of that conversation. Other people like KM and the firm need to be part of that conversation. Drawing in as many people as possible to come together is something that I think is rather unique. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, there isn't anything, as we said earlier, quite like this. The other um, element of the, of the business strategy program that was a highlight for me was a discussion of regulatory reform. So most people know that at long last, some states are on the verge of making meaningful change in, in the rules governing who can participate in legal service, who can invest, and who can participate in delivering the service, being led by the states of Utah and Arizona. We had the justice of the Utah Supreme Court, Dino Jimones, uh, who has been at the point on their efforts in uh, Utah, and and. Justice Ann Timmer from the Arizona Supreme Court here live to talk to the audience about why they're doing what they're doing, what they're doing, how it's gone so far, where it's going to go. And it, it is kind of one of those only at Legal Week can you come and hear from the horses' mouths exactly what they are doing. And we had Becky Sandifer, one of the leading experts in the world in access to justice and legal service for the, for the ordinary common uh, uh, citizen uh, as part of that panel. And Andrew Arruda, who is a member of the ATILS Commission in California working on their proposed changes. That's at an earlier stage and a, and a, and a, a different kind of process, more complicated. Uh, but all of them were, were spoke to the audience in a candid, complete way. And everyone who was there went away understanding what's about to take place. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, honestly. If there's one session that I wish I had made at this show, it would have been that exact one. It, I haven't plugged any of my own stuff. But one article that I did write, it would have been in the Ju or January edition of the American Lawyer and Corporate Council, was about the tech changes that people are looking forward to in the next decade, except that when I started the interviews, it turned out it wasn't a tech change at all. It was the regulatory change. And the number of people, especially even technologists who are supposed to be e-discovery focused, they said, no, AI isn't where you're looking. Blockchain isn't where you're looking. 
this is what's important. Look to Utah first before anything else. And I, I'm very jealous that you're able to hear from both Utah and Arizona directly about what's going on there. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted to hear that you had that reaction because I agree it is it is the most important uh, uh, single change that's that's underway, and, and it's something we all need to be um, paying attention to. Well, we've, we're just about out of time, and so let me just ask you one last question. Having said what you've said and experienced this legal week in the way that you have over the years, why should someone who isn't living near New York Metro uh, come to New York for legal week next year? There is something to be said about seeing the technologies with your own eyes, meeting these people face to face. Like I said, I'm out in Minnesota. There's there's a little bit of technology and a little bit of law innovation out there in Minnesota, but not too terribly much. It's until you're here and actually see this stuff that you your eyes get opened and you're able to realize, oh, the change isn't something that's theoretical. It's not something that's going to be five years in the future. It is here. It is happening around us. And these are the people at this show who are going to be driving it. So if I'm going to get in on the ground floor before it passes me by, now is the time to do it. And if I'm going to do it, meet as many people as humanly possible who are helping to drive it, there are really no better places to do so. Well, I don't think anybody could express that any better than you did. And thank you, Zach, for taking the time uh, to be with us today and share your perspective on Legal Week. Um, and thank all of you for listening today to this episode of On the Road. If you liked what you heard, please uh, review us, rate us on uh, the Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, this is Ralph Baxter for On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.